listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey everyone, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, a week that likely comes with a swirl of emotions, especially if you're grieving, and especially, especially if you're grieving and it's 2020. Before we head into this week's episode, I wanted to pause and say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing grief out loud with others. Thank you for emailing me about what the show means to you. And thank you for being part of this weird virtual audio community for those in grief. There's no way we could make this show without you. As you make your way through this week and every week after, we're hoping you have the support you need when you need it, and that you have space and grace to grieve the way you want to and need to, without shame, judgment, or unrealistic expectations, both from others and from yourself. Go easy on yourself when you can, because one thing we know for sure about grief, it's rarely easy. Okay, let's get into the episode. When Carmel Bronick was 11, she had already spent six years watching and worrying about her mom's health. Her mom was diagnosed with cancer when Carmel was five, and she died six years later when Carmel was 11. Carmel's dad was open, honest, and available, a rare trifecta for a grieving child, especially so many years ago. But while Carmel felt supported at home, she didn't feel that way at school. She longed for her teachers to check in on her, to give her options for expression, to not just carry on as if nothing had happened, so let's get back to that math assignment. Now as an adult, Carmel's carried this grief for decades. She's carried it through graduations, through moving from Ireland to the U.S., through getting married, and now through a pandemic that stands in the way of her traveling to visit her dad. Carmel's always been a writer, so it's only natural that she's turned to words to continue processing what her mom's life and death mean for her. She's working on a memoir entitled, Briefly, I Knew My Mother, and has a blog where she pens articles like, What Not to Do When Someone You Know Has Lost Their Mother, and Three Things I've Learned Since Losing My Mother. Carmel and I talk about the role anger played in her grief, what she needed from her teachers, how she honored her mom at her wedding, and how writing her memoir has affected her grief. Carmel, thank you for being part of Grief Out Loud today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much, Jana, for having me. And tell us a little bit about your mom. I know you were very young when she died, only 11. And what what do you remember about her? What do you remember about her as a mom? Um, I remember quite a lot about her. Um, She was a very nurturing person. Um, She loved her family very much and her friends very much. She loved being a mother. And she loved my dad very much. And um, she loved to cook, bake. She was very creative, did a lot of sewing and knitting around the house. She created some curtains for my bedroom, which are still there today. And she loved clothing and um, shopping and 
was manager for a little boutique a long time um, before my dad and her got married, actually. So um, those are things that I still remember about her, even though, yeah, she died when I was 11. We're recording like right after we got through the Thanksgiving week holiday here in the United States, and then also heading into the winter holidays. And there's a lot of emphasis on food and family traditional food. I'm wondering, are there any particular recipes or dishes of your mom's that you still cook today? Yeah, she cooked a real good shepherd's pie. So I still cook that. She had a special cod dish that she created herself using tato crisps, which are crisps that we buy in Ireland. They're not available here. And she created her own special dish with that. So it's very unique to her. And her other um, specialty was rock buns, which are like scones, but they're not very sugary. I often like to cook those or bake those and and think about how she used to enjoy those dishes and and cooking in general. And it seems like too, the, the dishes are very rooted in where you grew up in Ireland and that living here in the States, you're not really running into a lot of cod pie memories <laughs> randomly. <laughs> yeah, very traditional to, to my growing up in Ireland. Yeah. The other part of your story is, you know, your mom died when you were 11, but she became ill when you were five. And so that's six years of your early childhood that you spent with a mom who was dealing with an illness. And just wondering what, what you remember about those years and, and what's your sense of how having so many years as a child with a, with a parent who was dealing with an illness, like how has that reverberated through your adult life as well? Yeah, I remember those years very vividly. I have a great memory and part of it might be because I lived a lot of years with a lot of strong emotions and anxieties. My mother got sick when she was, when I was five, she had an operation then. And so after a couple of treatments in hospital, they thought what she had was ovarian cancer. So they thought that they had removed it and they thought that she was going to be fine. And then two years later, she went into a hospital for appendicitis and they found that the cancer had returned. And so that was a big, big, big shock to my parents. So after that, we were on this journey of my mother constantly going in and out of hospital for weeks and sometimes months at a time. And that went on until she died when I was 11. And I do have a lot of memories of her being sick and being in hospital, us visiting her, she having, you know, being hooked up to drips and just things that were pretty scary for little children to witness. There'd be times, periods at home where she'd be feeling great. And she was a very optimistic and positive person. And she had a lot of faith. And so she really believed that she was going to be okay. And so there were often times in between those hospital visits or times in hospital that she would be singing at home or dancing around the house. And so I have some very happy memories also, but there was a lot of anxiety and that certainly impacted me after her death because I knew from a very early age what sickness and suffering looked like and what it felt like and what 
could happen, that bad things do happen and there's nothing we can do about it. So that did impact me after her death, for sure. How did your parents talk with you about your mom's health and, and about when, when it became clear that her life was going to end? Yeah, um, my father created many opportunities to talk as a family during her illness and after she died, which I will always really appreciate. He was very open about it. We didn't discuss it every time she was going into hospital. We didn't discuss why. We knew she was sick. The word cancer wasn't used for many years. My mother didn't even use it herself. And she didn't really talk to us about what she was going through, except that she needed to go into hospital and she needed an operation or she would miss us, those kind of things. But she didn't discuss the ins and outs of it. But my dad wanted us to know that as it became more clear that she was not going to be able to make it, my dad wanted us to know that that was how it was. And he wanted us to be prepared as much as we as we possibly could be prepared. I even remember very distinctly, I was probably 10 unless I had turned 11 at that stage. I'm not sure when he brought my brother and I into the sitting room at home and just said, you know, your your mother's not going to make it. And so she would have lived a couple of months after that, but he wanted us to to be prepared. And he told us that we would get through it together. And and we knew that she was she was very ill because we had witnessed her her getting more and more ill. So it wasn't like it was a shock, but it was the the reality of the situation and my dad being honest about that with us to actually hear the words, even if it's something you may have been sensing or suspecting in a, in a way. And what did you do as a, as a 11 year old with that information? Um, I think I kept it inside a lot and just thought it over maybe in my head. And I prayed a lot because we were, I was raised Catholic. I'm not a practicing Catholic anymore, but I was raised Catholic and my parents prayed a lot and we went to mass and so on. So I did turn to, to prayer a lot and just really asking God, what could, what could I do to be a better person that he would let my mother live? And I was, I've always been a writer too. So I've, I've kept a daily diary since I was 10. And I, I have some journals from even when I was six and eight. So I've always been writing and I definitely wrote some things, although I didn't go into much detail, but I wrote some things about mom being in hospital and um, just hoping she would be okay. Um, and then I also really enjoyed playing with my friends and having fun. And I I really enjoyed time with with my peers just to to have fun. And then I, I felt very safe at home with my with my dad and brother and, and my mother when she was well. So there was a good feeling of of safety there and also wondering about anger was that an emotion that played a part in your experience either while your mom was ill or after she died yeah for sure I didn't express anger at home very much because our house was always a calm loving environment sometimes as I mentioned I did write about my feelings 
and sometimes I cried. And as I got older, I really enjoyed rock music. And that was definitely a way for me to express my anger. I would turn off the music pretty loud if I was feeling angry and just let it fill the room. My poor dad, he was his bedroom was right beside mine, but he never seemed to mind. In school, I did start to talk back to teachers the year that my mother died. I often felt angry in school. I felt misunderstood and unsupported. I felt like my mother had died, but daily life was going on as usual for everyone around me. And that was a very lonely feeling. Uh, it felt hard. I felt left out and angry about the unfairness of it all. Everyone else had their mothers and, and I didn't. So I guess it stemmed also from feelings of helpless, helplessness and frustration, which, which led to my anger. I'm picturing you, you know, as this young child, your mom has just died. It's almost like there's this big fissure that happens in the earth. And now like teachers and classmates are on the other side of that fissure and feeling really alone and trying to figure out like, how do I build a bridge to still have these two places of my life connect? And you've written a bit about what it was like in school and, and what you received from teachers as support or not support and what you really needed. And just wondering if you could talk a little bit about that too. Yeah, I've, I found school tough because as I mentioned, most of, actually all of my friends still had their mothers. Most of them also had their dads. I felt alone in that way. I think it really would have meant a lot to me had my teachers checked in with me and asked how I was feeling, asked how I was doing, created opportunities for me to express myself, such as just sitting with a friend and being able to chat and laugh or talk about schoolwork or whatever with my friend. I think that would have made a huge difference. And also allowing for creative work maybe art projects, singing, music, outdoor play, because we lived in Ireland, it was often raining. So any rainy day, we would stay in for our lunch breaks. But if we stayed in, we were always told we had to stay in our seats. We often had schoolwork to do during our lunch breaks. So there just didn't seem much, many opportunities for me to express myself creatively and I always loved drawing and writing stories creating things and it would have helped a lot if I had been given a little leeway maybe you know maybe Carmel do you feel like drawing today or do you feel like painting something our art time can maybe once a week we we're lucky to have that and our our physical education also an hour a week and, and sometimes that would be canceled so it didn't really suit my personality especially with what I was kind of going through it was hard for me to always stay focused on books and maths and geography and those kind of things I really wanted to express myself in different ways yeah thinking about how for some kids the cognitive engagement is a good distraction but for you you really needed to like move and express yourself in more creative ways and it doesn't sound like your school was really set up for a lot of flexibility around that yeah, for sure. There wasn't flexibility. It just, as soon as we came back after the week away, after my mother died, 
I was immediately back into this is where we are in our math book. This is where we are in our English comprehension. Um, and I always did my work and I, I did enjoy it um, to some degree, but I needed balance and I needed more opportunities to express myself, especially in those immediate days after coming back, because for me, my life had definitely changed uh, dramatically and it was hard to just start thinking about fractions, you know, the second <laughs> I came back to school. And now as an adult, you have a little bit more say over how your day-to-day -day life is looking. And you've been working on a memoir about your experience and, and about your mom. And just wondering with this idea of, you know, we go through something and then we may reflect on it later, but to write a book about it is to invite a lot of deep reflection on the experience and what it meant then and what it means now. And what have you noticed for yourself in crafting this memoir? It's an interesting question because I definitely felt like I needed to write this book and I was very drawn to writing it. I was constantly taking notes, reflecting on different things I had learned as the years moved on. And so I knew I needed to write the book. And as someone who has written for so long, it just came naturally to me. I knew I really wanted to do this, make this a full project. But it has certainly brought along its challenges. It has been emotionally very heavy to go through the whole process because I had to dive really deep into what I experienced and relive that. And I realized I really hadn't grieved or processed a whole lot when I was younger. And I started to do it a lot when I was writing the book. And to write the book, I had to go back through a lot of my diaries over the years. I also spoke to my dad about many things that I wouldn't have really known or understood at the time. And he also keeps a diary. So he was able to give me exact dates and and lengths of hospital stays and, and everything like that. And then I, I got some letters that my mother had written to my aunt and I found a few letters that my mother had written to me. So all of that has happened since I started writing the book about five years ago. It's certainly been a whirlwind or a roller coaster, might be a better word to describe it, of emotions. Sometimes crying when I'm reading through stuff, sometimes just feeling that anger, and then other times just feeling so much love and gratitude for my family and for all the help and guidance and kindness my dad has given to us all through the years. So it's brought up a lot. And I'm still glad that that I'm I'm writing the book. I think it's an important book, but it, it's certainly been much more challenging mentally and emotionally than I had imagined it would be. It's almost as if you've become an investigative journalist into your own life and your mom's life and wondering, is there anything you've discovered about her in that process that kind of came as a surprise to you? Um, I think I wish I could have discovered more. I think I knew quite a bit about my mother in the first few years that I knew her, um, as insofar as, you know, what I kind of told you, she was very creative and she loved to sing and dance. 
and she loved her friends and family, but I don't know much about her life before that. Unfortunately, I don't know anything really about her childhood, except that I was in her childhood home a few times when I was very, when I was younger. And I don't know much about her. I don't know anything about her adolescence or her, her early young adulthood. I would love to know more about those years. My dad didn't meet her until they were in their mid-30s. So whatever I know about her is kind of from then on. And and my dad has shared things like what I, I think I mentioned earlier that she did manage a boutique. And my cousin has told me that she and her mom, my mother's sister, loved to go shopping and they wouldn't have had much money or anything back then, but they loved to pick out a few special uh, fashion items and, and really took joy in that. A cousin mentioned that tato cod dish that I that I mentioned to you when I wrote about that one time on one of my posts. My cousin said, oh, I remember her teaching me that or telling me about that recipe. So people have, some people have responded and said, we remember your mom. She was a lovely woman. She was a, a lovely person, but I haven't learned as much as I guess I'd like to. And I, I probably never will given the circumstances. Something that stood out to me in, in reading through some of your posts is the way you describe grief as long-term and relentless. And just wondering, how do you relate to those words or those terms when it comes to grief? Yeah, I, I just feel like the grief journey goes on and on and it certainly changes form and different stages in life bring forth different feelings and experiences. It's a lifelong thing, but I, I guess that's why I say it's relentless because it just shows up. It shows up when I'm downtown, maybe, well, before the pandemic, we haven't gone anywhere since the pandemic, but if I was in a coffee shop and a mom and daughter were sitting, laughing, chatting about whatever it might be, her new boyfriend and her mom's listening eagerly, it just, it touches a place in me that I don't even, I can't even imagine what that would be like to have that adult mother-daughter friendship relationship. And I can't even begin to imagine what it would be. And I, I certainly feel lost in that way. And so different times in my life, I've felt the loss more. I feel like when I was in college and I was surrounded by all my friends and I was studying and, and it was all new, I didn't have the feelings of loss as much. I feel like different times in my life, it has come more to the forefront, depending on, on where I'm at in life. And, and thinking about some of those transitional times in life or some of those big milestones like moving or starting a relationship, getting married, wondering like how do you or how have you kept your mom a part of those transitions in your life? Yeah, when I moved to Portland, I brought photographs of my mother and I actually made a, a beautiful photo book of her I took some of the old black and white photos we had from home and stuck them into this photo book. And so I keep that beside my bed. I brought that with me when I moved from Ireland maybe 15 years ago. 
we have photos of her up framed in the house. When my dad came to visit me here in Portland a year a year ago, in his, in the guest room, he found framed photos of himself and my mother, photos of my mother in different stages of her life, just to kind of create, bring her, to bring my mother into the space and create uh, a sense that she's still a part of our lives. And then when I got married, I, I did make a big effort to include her into the day because it was, it was very sad not having her there. And so I did several things on that day and I've written a blog about it because it's one of the questions I got at, get asked the most. And so the blog is called 15 Ways to Honor Your Deceased Mother on Your Wedding Day. And um, just a couple of the things that I did, I, I got a candle personalized for her and that was lit throughout the ceremony. We framed pictures of her. A local designer, Holly Stalder, created a beautiful hairpiece for me with one of my mother's old brooches. So I wore that during the day along with a ring of hers. And I think very meaningful was that my dad, my maid of honor, and myself, we all mentioned my mother in our speeches um, on my wedding day. And so that really meant a lot to me because my dad had his own memories of my mother. I was able to express what I was feeling about her not being there and about her loss. And then my maid of honor, who has been one of my best friends since we were six. She knew my mother for those few years before she died and was able to talk about her. So those things were very meaningful on my wedding day. I'm thinking about the, the kind of that magic of having three different perspectives on your mom and, and to hear from all three of those on such an important day. And I know you said you've, you moved to the States about 15 years ago and just thinking about I mean, you have kind of a unique lens of seeing or maybe experiencing how people navigate grief here in the United States and versus maybe how people talk about or navigate grief in Ireland. And just wondering what you've seen uh, uh, in terms of differences or similarities or. Yeah, I think it's pretty similar, actually. I think it can be hard to express sadness because positivity is favored in our society. And appearing weak and vulnerable is often not acceptable. And I think that that goes for both Ireland and the US. However, I feel like people want to be more open about their feelings of, and experiences of grief now. There are more podcasts like Grief Out Loud, and we have organizations locally such as Grief Rights, there are, there are people writing about grief more openly, and I think it's a really wonderful thing. Ireland is a little behind in that regard, but they are, they're coming on. There is a podcast now, I think, at least one that deals with grief in Ireland. And there are more organizations, because when I looked into it recently, I was surprised at how many organizations there were in Ireland now to support grieving children. So I'm really, really glad to see that that's the case. When I lived there, it was still pretty relig a religious country. And now there's a lot more diversity in the country. When my mother died, the experience of losing her was very much 
wrapped around the Catholic belief system and we we had the funeral and we had the burial and so on. Whereas the funerals I've attended here have actually been quite different to those at home where people talk about the deceased loved one and mention things that they remember and loved about them. And it was more personal, I felt like, than the funerals at home, which are very much based in the Catholic religion and, and the ceremonies that are pretty typical. With my writing too, I just really want to create more opportunities for people to speak about grief and their their experiences. And I'm hoping that I can reach a lot of people in Ireland as well as here, because I think it's really important that people know it's okay, it's good to talk about our experiences. And that's how we become more compassionate people and how we gain empathy for others. Yeah, it's part of that building those bridges across the fissure that happens when someone in our life dies of how do we stay connected to other people. And oftentimes it's through hearing their stories of loss or, or them being able to have a window into what that loss is like to have, like you said, more compassion and understanding. So heading into like three decades of your mom not being here in her physical form and just wondering, and this is a hard question. I almost hesitate to ask people, but what do you most wish your mom could know about your life now? I would love for her to know that my dad, my brother and I are still alive and doing well and we still miss her and think of her regularly, but that she did a really great job choosing my dad and that he has certainly all these years been a wonderful father. So I, I would really love for her to know, but I'm, I'm sure she knew that anyway, but I would love for her to know that. And I'd love for her to have met my husband. Um, I, I think they would have got along really well and that she'd, she'd really like him. Just maybe seeing my life here in Portland, I'd love for her to have the opportunity to, to see that and to have been able to travel over with my dad if she were, if she were still here to experience different countries and different places. So for her to know that you, she still lives on for you and your brother and your dad and sounds to like maybe you inherited her um, skill or capacity at, at picking a good partner, somebody who can really show up and be there. Yeah, thank you. I think so. <laughs> so for listeners who want to stay connected so they can read what you're currently writing, but also like be on the lookout for when your memoir is ready and available. What's the best way for people to um, learn more about you? Well, my blog is titled A Lovely Woman. And um, the address for that is alovelywoman.wordpress.com. I had initially thought that I would title the memoir A Lovely Woman because when I met people after my mother died, they would say Kathleen was a lovely woman. And it kind of came to me that that was the title I wanted. But as the years progressed, I felt like it wasn't really fitting the memoir as much as because of what I was writing and putting into the memoir. And so I changed the title to Briefly, I Knew My Mother. I write about that in my blog post uh, from time to time. I give updates. 
and also on my Facebook authors page, which is a public page. Carmel Brannock, uh, Facebook should get people. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter. And I guess because my name is pretty unique, um, it's pretty easy to find me on, on Google. Great. And listeners, as always, I'll link to all of the places you can find Carmel uh, in our show notes. So that way you can follow her on Instagram and Facebook and stay tuned for the release of, of the memoir when it's out. Well, Carmel, thank you so much. I know it's been a journey for us to finally connect to record this episode today. So I really enjoyed talking with you. And thank you for sharing with me about your mom and just about how your life has been shaped by the grief you have over her death. Thanks so much, Jana. And listeners out there, as always, thank you for tuning in, for being part of our community. I so enjoy hearing from you. If you want to email me and let me know what you think about the show or if there's a particular episode that stood out to you, you can reach me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. That's D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. And if you have an idea for an episode, send me an email about that too. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.